Amen. It's that mercy and that grace and that love that leads us to repentance. And Father, we just thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do. And Lord, right now again, we just lift up Pastor as he's vacationing, enjoying his time, Lord, that you would bless he and his wife as they do so. And Lord, as we focus on right now, your word, I pray, Lord, that you would just open our hearts, that we would truly hear the things that you have to tell us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, as I said, pastor's on vacation, and we have a special guest, Robert Baltadano, and he's going to talk about a little about what's going on. He uh, used to be at K-Wave, and, and he's been called, I think about six months ago, he told Pastor David, well, I believe the Lord's calling me away, and, and then uh, a few months later, all of a sudden, he got the call, and he's going to be, dry, he's going to be about 3,179 months. No, I don't know how far it is, but New Jersey. Anyway, he'll tell us a little bit, but if you guys could please welcome Robert Baltadano. <laughs> All right, <don't> look here. <laughs> well, before I start jabbing here, why don't you guys greet each other, and then we'll start. Well, um, as Sean was just mentioning, I don't think it's 3,000 miles, but anyways. Um, no, first of all, happy Father's Day to all you daddies out here. Happy Daddy's Day. It's uh, very special to be here. My last, um, I guess, teaching in California, for a while at least, uh, to be here. You know, you guys are a special group of people. My wife and I always love coming here. Um, you guys are a blessing to us, and I love your pastor, Mike. I've known Mike for a long time, and so uh, it, it's, it's an honor to be here for the last teaching, you know, here to, to be able to see you guys and, and to share some things with you guys. Um, as Sean was mentioning, yes, there's, there's been a, a quite big transition for us. Um, if you know our story, back in 1998, God called us to upstate New York. We planted a church there. We lived out there for 10 years. And never thought about coming back to California. No way, right? And so uh, around 2006, the Lord began to prompt our hearts to get ready to move on from New York. But he never tells us where we're going. There's always just, there's just this, this, this prompting in my heart, in my wife's heart, that something's going to change. And we're coming to an end of a ministry. And so that's, that's what happened in New York. And then later on, we found out after pray, praying and fasting that God called us back to California. So in 2008, we ended up coming back to California. Uh, that's where I got hired at K-Wave. I was there for 11 years. Uh, and God did an amazing ministry work there at K-Wave. And I was part of Chino Valley for a while, teaching there. And never thought about going back to the East Coast. No way. That was, that was, that was the thing, right? Here we are again, heading back to the East Coast. And uh, this time it's a little lower than New York. It's um, New Jersey. I know some of you are probably thinking what good comes out of New Jersey, right? Like Nazareth, right? Um, New Jersey doesn't have an identity, to be honest with you. The northern part of New Jersey is the, is the New York market. The southern part of Jersey is the Philadelphia market. So all the news channels in the northern part are all New York news. And below is all Philadelphia. And so we're in the New York section. So I'll know what's going on in New York and Fox and all of that, right? Anyways, um, so here we are, uh, another 
big transition. And uh, this morning, actually, I'm going to teach out of Joshua chapter 1. If you guys turn to Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to kind of give you a quick little backstory of why I chose this chapter, this, these first nine verses. When I was teaching at Calvary Chapel Chino Valley, before God ever, ever showed us where he was sending us, uh, God led me to Joshua. I started teaching the book of Joshua on Sunday nights. And it took me several months to teach this book. But I'll tell you one thing. From the very first chapter, as I start teaching the group there on Sunday nights, it was killing me. It was hitting me hard because I knew that I was on a path of transition. I just did not know where. So every message that I was given on Sunday night, I could have just sat down on my own and just talked to myself about it. And uh, nobody knew anything about it. Um, and it was just one of those things where... Chapter after chapter, God was just hitting me hard in my heart. Everything he was saying in the word was just speaking to me personally. And I would tell my wife, it was just like killing me. You know, the things he was showing me about transition and all. And so here I am teaching you this very first chapter, actually the first nine verses that I taught there. And now with a fulfillment, knowing where I'm going now. Uh, it's kind of neat to see now what God was already doing in my life and so I, I want to take this, this, these first nine verses of chapter 1. The title of my, of my message this morning is The Great Adventure. And that's pretty much what it was for Joshua. And so I want to read verses 1 through 9. And uh, we'll go through this. And I will share with you guys as I go through this message uh, the things that God has for us there in New Jersey. Or as they say, Jersey. We don't say New Jersey. You say Jersey. Or in fact, Joyzy is what you want to say. So... Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I have given you, or given to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down to the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is airless. It's infallible. It's inspired. And we know, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return void. And Lord, perhaps there are some here this morning who are going through a transition in their life. Maybe there's something going on in their life, Father, that you're going to speak to them this morning. Maybe there's some in here who are not walking right with you or not Christians and they're listening to this message 
And the transition that they need to experience is coming to Christ. And Father, I pray as your word goes forth that you will speak, you will encourage, and you uplift this body. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I read recently that life is a lot like the weather. It's seasonal. It has a way of ushering us into the next season, whether we like it or not. And it's interesting when I was reading this because I was thinking about that, and I'm like, that's pretty fascinating because it's kind of true. You know, when we're ushered into a next season or a new season in our life, we are often uncertain and even fearful of what it might hold for us. And why are we fearful? Why are we apprehensive when it comes to that? Well, the reason why is because nobody is comfortable with change. How many of you guys here like change? Not many of you, right? Because change brings challenge. It depends on what kind of change. I mean, when you look at change in life, the change that we generally resist is the kind of change that we think will make our situation worse rather than better. We think about if we go from here to here, this is going to happen, and you begin to look at the negative things of why maybe you shouldn't do this or go there or do that. We begin to think that way, and we sometimes realize that the fear that we have is just the fear of change. But not all change is negative and fearful. Uh, some of you perhaps are going through a job change. That could be exciting because you perhaps are wanting higher pay. And so you're going to leave one job to get another job that's going to pay you a little bit more. And so that kind of change is obviously different. Uh, perhaps you're more happy to, to live in a bigger house. So you're moving out of an, a smaller house to a bigger house in a better neighborhood. That's a good change. You look forward to that kind of change. It's a positive change. And so there's change that is good, and there's some changes that we think it's going to be bad. So it's not change that we generally hate. It's not just the change. It's change that involves loss. It involves loss, what you lose when it comes to change. You know, change is both inevitable and it's necessary. In fact, everything that stays the same, I believe, will not cause us to grow. If we just live life without any type of change, and I'm not talking about a change from West Coast to East Coast. That's just my life. That's my adventure. I'm not here to preach, you need to move to the East Coast. That's not my message here, okay? My message here is more of, listen, change in life is a good thing. When you read the Psalm 23, you realize that Jesus is our great shepherd, right? God always keeps his sheep moving along. Because if he keeps them in the same place, grazing in the same field, what's going to happen is sheep, knowing that they're a little dumb, right? They will eat through the grass, into the dirt, and get sick. And so the shepherd is to keep them moving from pasture to pasture because he's, his goal is to keep them growing. And that is the same with us. There are changes that God will have in our lives. He will initiate in our lives. Not a big change like moving out of state but perhaps small change in your life because he's moving you on to better pastures so you can grow more. Because if we don't change, if there's no change in our lives, you're going to live this stale, kind of stagnant Christian life. You're going to know everything. Everything's going to be predictable. And I'll tell you one thing. It's pretty boring when you know everything is there and everything's predictable. And so we see here that when we look at the Bible, and we look at from Genesis to Revelation, and you start looking through the Bible, you find that God is big on change. These men and women of God in the Bible, God initiated big life transitions in them. And so when you open up the Bible, 
It's hard for you to miss these changes in the lives of people. Big changes, small changes. Uh, For example, one of the big changes was Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham to leave his father's household, to leave his country, and to go to a land that I will show you. That's what God said. Abraham had no clue. The Bible even says in Hebrews that he went by faith. And God says, just go. Trust me. And he took his entire caravan, his entire family, leaving his father's household. In fact, in the Bible, you miss this. God said this to Abraham two times. In fact, Abraham hesitated at the first. He didn't leave right away. And then he left on the second command. And so he heads out to a land that God was going to show him. Pure faith, trusting in what God had said to him. It wasn't until Genesis 15 that God appeared to him again. And so we see that God began to give him piece by piece the direction, the focus of what he was calling him to do. Obviously, Abraham became the father of nations. It was through him that everything started with the children of Israel and eventually led to the coming of Christ. And so we see that Abraham went through a change. Moses went through a life change. He went from Pharaoh's court to becoming a shepherd in the land of Midian, this desert. Big change transition. Then God appears to him in Exodus 3, sends him back to Pharaoh, his old boss, to say, let my people go. And that started another transition in his life as God's leader. I could go on and on. David, from shepherd to king, the disciples who were fishermen became fishers of men. Big change there in their life. Paul the apostle, who hated Christians, became a a Christian, and he began to love Christians and plant churches. Big life transition. The biggest transition I see in the Bible that we're going to look sort of on today here is the transition that the children of Israel experienced from Egypt to the wilderness wandering. That's probably the biggest transition you find in the Bible. Over almost two million Hebrews cruising through the desert. Could you imagine that? Leading that many people through a barren desert. And they were going through transition after transition, change after change. It was not pretty, right? If you know your Old Testament history, you know it wasn't easy to lead that many people across a barren desert. And we see that the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they were in constant transition. They went through the wilderness. And the wilderness was not Palm Springs. It wasn't this pretty little golf course that they went through. It was actually a very desolate, rocky terrain. It was very dangerous because of the wild animals. The weather, it was very hot. So they complained a lot, didn't they? They complained a lot. In fact, at one point, they said to Moses, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Remember that? And Moses was saying, God, what, these are your people. What's up with these guys? And so God kept providing for them. He was so gracious, so merciful to them. But they were constant complaining and murmuring. They distrusted God. They were were having a hard time. But it was better for them to leave Egypt, wasn't it? Even though they came to a place in their life where they said, you know what, we had it better in Egypt. Oh, really? The onions, the garlic, the leeks. Remember, they start talking about all the food. They were just so diluted or or just, just wasn't even thinking. They weren't even thinking right because... Egypt meant bondage. Pharaoh treated them very harshly. That is why God pulled them out of there. But in their minds, as they're romanticizing the past, they're saying, oh, we had it better back then. No, you didn't. 
They were so delusional. And that's what happens when we as Christians begin to romanticize the past. Oh, we had it better back then. Really? The addiction that you were in, that was good? That was better? No. Anytime God pulls us out of a place, it's because he has something better for us. And so we see that the children of Israel experienced this in their own lives. And the transition they experienced was this transition that lasted over 40 years. The 40 years of wandering, a lot of setbacks. They were on path to go into the promised land. God said, I'm promising you guys a land flowing with milk and honey. What does that mean? It means that it was a very productive land. The grounds were very productive. Their, their cattle was going to succeed because of the, of, 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 of the soil. Uh, they were going to be fed the trees and all, all the stuff that was there. God says, there's a land coming, guys, where you're going to be blessed and encouraged, and you're going to live life in this land. But to get there, you have to go through some challenges. And that's, that, that's what the whole wilderness experience was all about. And so they started going forward into this, into this, and the children of Israel obviously were very resistant to it. But the big lesson in all of this, in the children of Israel's life, and as we get into the book of Joshua here in this first chapter, I want to say this. This is the biggest lesson I don't want you to ever miss, is this. God is always faithful in every change. He's always faithful in every change. Sometimes we think God doesn't know what he's doing. Have you ever thought about that? God, you don't understand what you're doing here. Do you know what you're doing here? I have a better plan for you. Follow me. A lot of Christians do that. But I want you to understand that, that when it comes to life, life, I believe, and my wife and I have been talking about this a lot, life is a great adventure. Listen, guys, we are sojourners in this world, aren't, aren't we? We're just pilgrims. We're just passing through this earth. Our heavenly home is our true home, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. And so life on this side of heaven is to be lived by faith and allowing God to do what he wants to do through us. That's, that's the Christian life. It's not about me. It's not, it's not about what I want to do. It's not about what I want to accomplish. It's about, Lord, what do you want to do? Kind of like what Paul said in Acts chapter 9, remember? When, when Jesus knocked him off his high horse, he was on the ground. First thing that came out of his mouth, he said, well, before it was, Lord, you know, is it, who, who, who are you, Lord? But then he said this, Lord, what do you want me to do? Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever really sat down and said to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm a pilgrim in this world. I'm just passing by here. So in the meantime, before I get to heaven, what do you want me to do? What is your plan for my life? What are my gifts and talents that you've given me? How can I encourage the body of Christ? What do you want to do in my life? Because at the end of the day, we all know life is short, right? James tells us life is like a vapor. It appears for a little bit and it's gone. I don't want to get to heaven and, and God says, you know what, Robert? I had this and this and this, but you didn't do that because you were afraid of this or you this, you had a lot of this. I don't want to get into heaven and, and have all these what ifs. What if I did this? What if I did that? Yeah, New Jersey is a big step. I mean, obviously my wife knows. You know, today she's like, you're brave <laughs> for going to Jersey. I said, yeah, I, it, is, it is pretty crazy thinking about it. I'm not stuck. I'm, I'm with a great God. I mean, if, if God will do what he wants to do there, and if he sends me back or sends me to Hawaii where your pastor is at, great. <laughs> right? But it's a walk of faith. I, I don't want to have regrets in my life. And so we see here that as we see that life is like a great adventure, with God, 
it makes it even greater. You know why? Because we serve a great God. Listen, guys, you're in good hands with God. Even if you're going the wrong way, and this is one thing that my wife and I prayed about. I said, Lord, if I am going the wrong way, if, I am, if I'm totally just confused, I trust you, based on your sovereignty, that you can stop me. I trust you that you can put as many red flags and whatever to stop me. And he's done that to us in, in the past. I could go on here with some other opportunities that I've had in the last 10 years here living in California, actually five. And my wife and I could tell you that we prayed like that. I said, Lord, if this is not the way, then stop it. And he did stop those opportunities. This was different. We laid it out before him. And even people say to me, he says, you know what? I'm going to pray you don't go. Please do. Go for it. You know, pray. I mean, if God hears you and he's not hearing me, then do it. But you see, that's when you're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You just got to trust the Lord. You have to trust him. And so we see that Joshua comes here. Chapter 1, the call comes to Joshua. Another transition. Leading from this whole children of Israel, wandering. Moses is dead. And it says there, after the death of Moses. This is an important bit of information. For more than four decades, Moses has been the only leader that the children of Israel had. He has been their pastor. He has been their leader. He was the lawgiver, the servant of God, the friend of God. He led them out of Egypt through the desert, and everyone alive only knew one leader, and that was Moses. Could you imagine this job that Joshua was taking upon himself? I would not want it. To be the pastor of the largest church in history, two some million people or so, they say, to lead them. Could you imagine what that looked like in the desert? I mean, we read these stories. We watch little kids' videos, right, when it comes to this part of the Bible. But to actually think about what this really looked like and how they were camping from place to place to place, that must have been so overwhelming. And yet, here is Joshua. Joshua is about to take over the ministry of Moses. What happened to Moses? Well, just quickly to tell you what happened to Moses, if you're not familiar with the story, he got in trouble. He got in big trouble. You find that story in Numbers chapter 20. God said to him, take the staff. I want you to speak to the rock. So water could come out of the rock and feed and, and basically, you know, provide water for my people. What did Moses do? He beat the rock two times. Rock, and God is faithful. He still brought water out. But that got him in trouble. See, Moses did not do a good job there. Why did God say to Moses, okay, because you messed up here, you're not going to be the one leading them into the promised land. You're like, man, God is harsh. Why is he doing that? Come on, God, where's the grace? Let me give you four things, four reasons why God uh, said no to Moses. What Moses did, one is that Moses disobeyed a direct command of God. That's what he did. He disobeyed his direct command of God. God says, this is what I want you to do. Moses did the opposite. The second thing is Moses took credit for bringing water from the rock. In fact, it says there in verse 10, if you read there, uh, when, you go to, when you read this on your own, uh, Numbers 20, verse 10, it says, Moses says, must we, referring to him and Aaron, bring you water out of this rock, telling the congregation this. Oh, we? It's God who's going to bring the, rock, the water in the rock. You took credit for that. So that was the second violation. The third Moses misrepresented God. He became angry with the people. That is not God. He wasn't representing himself as an angry God to the people. And so Moses, being very mad at the people, being fed up with their nonsense, 
he represented God as an angry God. And the fourth thing, or the, yeah, the fourth thing is, uh, actually, the, yeah, the fourth thing is that Moses lacked trust in God. In Numbers twenty twelve, it says, God says, because you did not trust me enough. So he violated a lot. And God says, you're not going to be going into this promised land. God's promise to Abraham was in no way altered by the death of Moses. It didn't throw a wrench into God's plan. Moses prayed and he asked God, who shall be the one to take over his position, I guess, if you will. And God revealed that it was Joshua. Joshua was mentored by Moses for 40 years. And so later on, we're, we're told that God lays hands on Moses and, Mo, and, or I'm sorry, on Joshua. And Joshua becomes the leader of the children of Israel. Now you might say, Robert, why, why, why did God deal with him so harshly? Why couldn't God forgive Moses and say, hey, Moses, just don't do this again, because the next time you do this, then you're going to be in trouble. Why didn't he do that? Well, uh, the reason is because during the early wanderings there and Moses being the representative, there was no other leader. And this was a big lesson to Moses to know that you don't mess around like this. And it was very early on in the, in the early uh, history of the children of Israel. God's consequences were a little bit more harshly during the beginning. Same thing in Acts chapter 5. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They lied to the Holy Spirit. What happened to them? Did they get slapped in the hand? They died, right? God took them right there. God's not doing that today, is he? I mean, there'll be a lot of Christians dead right now, right? A lot of you here wouldn't be here, right? If you've lied, I wouldn't be here, right? You know what I'm saying? So what happened? Why is it different? Why doesn't God do that to the pastors and teachers today misrepresenting God? Why doesn't he just, you know, pull the plug on them? You know why? It's because of Jesus. Grace. His grace. Doesn't mean that they're going to get away with it. God will deal with them if it's not on this side of heaven. It's going to be when they get there before God. But Moses actually was given this harsh penalty or this harsh um, consequence because of the way God dealt with the children of Israel, how quickly he dealt with them to basically just deal with them right off the bat. And Moses, unfortunately, did not get a chance to see this. The final scene here you can read in Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 8. So Moses is dead. Notice what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua. God had already chosen Joshua as Moses' successor. He knew his calling. It was just a matter of God's timing as to when this was going to happen. And so Joshua, when he started serving under Moses as a general, he was 40 years old. At this time, Joshua was around 80 years old. Could you imagine that? 80 years old, taking over this huge congregation. Okay, guys, let's do it. <laughs> Could you imagine that? 80 years old. Listen, if you're an, a person close to that age, God can still use you. Just because you're retired and perhaps you're thinking, oh, my better days are past. No, they're not. God used Moses at 80. He's using Joshua's 80. And you can go on and on in the Bible. God used people of age. He can use you. And so we see that at 80 years old, he takes over the leadership responsibility. And it's important to note that it was God who called Joshua. Joshua didn't ask God, Lord, can I be Moses' successor? It was God who called him. It wasn't that somebody came to Joshua and said, hey, Joshua, you should really take over this job here, man. It wasn't like that. It was God who initiated this call. God had to move Moses out of the way first in order to establish Joshua. Well, why is that? 
Well, because there's no way that the people could follow two leaders. You can't have jo- uh, Moses, who's, who's been leading them for four decades, and all of a sudden have Joshua at the same time Moses is alive. It would have been confusing. They would have still been kind of leaning towards Moses. And so God had to remove Moses first before Joshua stepped in as the leader. And we're told here that he's the son of Nun. We don't know much about his father beyond the fact that he was the father of Joshua. Nothing more is known about about him. But I was thinking as a dad, I'm thinking, wow, could you imagine having a son who was called to this kind of ministry? I'd be proud of my son, Grace. And I'm like, praise God, son. I'd be afraid for him, though. But could you imagine how proud his son or his dad would be over uh, this task that he was uh, taking over? But notice what it says in verse 10, or verse 2, I'm sorry. God says, my servant Moses is dead. Notice how God calls him servant. Moses was a servant. God didn't say, my awesome leader. My amazing leader is dead. No, my servant Moses is dead. We're all servants, aren't we? And we see here very clearly that God had to move Moses out of the way to take over the leadership or for Joshua to take over the leadership effectively. And so we see here that as Moses is dead, Joshua takes over and he says, my servant Moses is dead. Now God commissions Joshua to go, to arise and go. You know, John Wesley in his tombstone reads this. God buries his workmen, but his work goes on. Just because a big leader dies or goes home to be with Jesus, it doesn't mean that that ministry stops. Why? Because it's about God, right? It's not about the person. We're just the instruments being used. And so we see here that Moses, a big, big, big responsibility, because Moses is dead, it doesn't mean everything stopped there. And the children of Israel were cut short from entering the promised land. God already had in mind to use Joshua. And he tells Joshua right away, he says, arise and go. I want you to know this. This is a command, not an option. He didn't go to Joshua and say, Joshua, should you be going? Maybe you should go now, Joshua. It was a command. Arise and go. It was the same command that Jonah received from God. When he says to him, go to Nineveh, what did uh, Jonah do? He went the opposite way, right? He refused to go. It wasn't an option. It was a command to go. It was a direct command of God to Jonah as we see here in the life of Joshua. There are three important lessons for all of us here about the Christian life when it comes to to this part of, of the book of Joshua. One is this, is that the Christian life is about obeying the word of God. I mean, over and over, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, to keep my commands. Obey, obedience is huge when it comes to the Christian life. I don't understand why some Christians think they don't have to obey Christ. You're saved, you're going to heaven, but I don't need to follow God's lead. I'll follow when it's convenient for me. That's not the way it is. That's not Christianity. That's some kind of form of religion. You're making up your own form of religion. Christianity is all about obeying the word of God, obedience. And that transfers into a life lived by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we cannot live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to move us and to, you know, do things through us and to help us live that life for Christ. We don't tell God what we want to do. We got to understand this, and a lot of people don't like this, but God rules you. Did you know that? I mean, a lot of us will say, Jesus is my Savior. Is he your Lord? Well, I don't know about that. 
If we say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, we know what Savior means, right? He's our Savior. He saved us. What does it mean to be Lord, Master? He's the master of my life. What does that mean? He means he rules me. And even Paul even said in, in, in Corinthians that we've been bought with a price. We've been bought with a price. We, we are owned by him. We've been stamped by our owner. As we're, as we're told that even in Ephesians, that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So all of you here who are born-again Christians, God is your Lord. He's your master. He's your ruler. But that, that, that shouldn't be something that you should be fearing. He is the best ruler you could have in your life. Because you obviously can't rule your own life. I'm sure a lot of you are like, I try to rule my life and it led me nowhere. And so to have God rule our life is a good thing. It's not a bad thing because he knows what he's doing, right? And he cares for you. He loves you. He died for you. And so we see here that the Christian life is basically a life about obeying Christ or obeying the word of Christ. And so here we see that Joshua is, is, God is giving Joshua the command to go, to move forward, to, 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 to go forward with this calling. And this was a huge step of faith for Joshua. And it was time for Joshua to bring God's people into the promised land. That was the whole goal. And you know, when you read this, and as I read this, and you see this over and over, if you want to do a neat study in the Bible, just go to a computer, and if you have the blue, blue letter Bible, I think it is, you could just type in the word go or rise and go and find all the times that God said rise and go to the guy, to people in the Bible and, and kind of study that. It's kind of neat to see the different situations, circumstances that happen when he says go, move, move forward. Here we see that. And there are times in our lives when God will say go, move forward. There are times that we're not ready to move forward, and that's okay. And God will work in us to get us to a place where then he says, go. And I've experienced that. My wife and I have experienced that three times in our lives. In 98, 2008, and 2019. And so we had a choice to either go or stay. All, those, all the three times. But as we took the step of faith in the first one, we realized what God really did. It was awesome. And as we took a step coming back, we saw all the things that God did. Our, our babies were brought together here. Our kids, uh, he gave us children, ministry. Now I think, Lord, what do you have in mind for the next season now? I feel like I'm full. I feel like he's done so much. What's next? And, and, and there's an anticipation in my heart because of my trust in God that he's got more for us. And so... We see here that Joshua is on the verge of this new season in his life. And so he tells him to go. He's saying, get out of the desert, go into Canaan. And so the adventure for Joshua is about to begin. And he says, I'm going to go to the land. He says that I am given them. The land's been already uh, promised. This is not an Abraham calling where God says, go to a land that I will show you. This is now Joshua. You know where you're going to go. You, you've, you're familiar with this promise. This was all about God. It wasn't about Joshua. It wasn't about Moses. The promise is from God. God had a plan, and he's using Joshua to bring this plan to fruition. And that is what serving God is all about. It's about serving his plan. It's about doing what he is calling me to do. I always say that serving God is not only a serious thing, it's a privilege. 
It's a privilege when the creator of the universe says, I want to use you. What an honor that is, that God wants to use us to proclaim the gospel, to do these things that he wants us to do. It is such a blessing. And if you're not serving God in any capacity in your life right now, I want to encourage you to serve him. But Robert, I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? Tonight when you go home or when you go home today, go in your room and say, God, I want to serve you. Would you initiate some calling in my life? Motivate me to serve you. And watch the Holy Spirit all of a sudden in the next day, two days, a week, all of a sudden you're starting to get this desire for something. And that's the Holy Spirit saying, here's where I want you to go and serve. And so we see here that this is what's happening here. Joshua begins to move forward and God is encouraging him to do so. And so, verses 3 through 5, there are three things that Joshua needed to know about this transition that I want to share with you. One is that Joshua, this transition will require a step of faith. And it's interesting we see here, notice in verse 3, he says it very clearly. God says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I have said to Moses. Wow. That's a truth that Joshua had to embrace by faith. Really, God? Are you really going to protect me like you protected Moses? It required a step of faith. And we see this is the very first thing that he's bringing to him. It wasn't just going to fall on his lap. Step by step, God was going to lead Joshua into the promised land. And they're right there. They're on the verge of entering the promised land. They're not far. Moses did most of the legwork. Joshua is where the promised land now was close by. It wasn't going to be a long haul. And so God says, every place that your foot treads upon, I will be with you like I was with Moses. It was a step of faith. Faith is action. It's movement. It's activity. When God initiates this, he wants you to go and to move. The Christian life is about, that, about faith, walking by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared these wonderful steps for you to walk in. And those steps are going to be steps that are going to be walked by faith. Something that he's preparing for you right now that you're going to walk into today, tomorrow. Perhaps it's somebody that you're, when you go to the store, he's going to prepare somebody there that you're going to share the gospel with. You have no clue about that right now. But he's preparing you right now to walk into those good works. That's the mind of God, isn't it amazing? And we see here that God has huge steps for Joshua and huge things prepared for him, but he's going to have to get there by faith, to trust every word that God said to him. And so Joshua is being promised victory. As I was with Moses, I will be with you as well. Now let me say this. When I'm talking about walking by faith, stepping into faith and whatnot, sometimes we stop moving forward because of opposition or obstacles in the way. Now here's where it gets kind of fuzzy for Christians. Well, how do you know this is not the Lord? How do you know this is the, I mean, how, how do you know that if God, if I feel like God is asking me to take a step of faith and all of a sudden I get this opposition, how do I know it's not God saying don't go there or the enemy saying I don't want you to go there? How do you know? 
Well, let me say this. When you walk by faith and God is initiating a step of faith in your life, you will know it's from the Lord because of the confirmations that have come in your life. Only you and God know what's been going on. And so, so does Satan. And so he throws confusions in our heads. He messes up our minds. I don't know if you should be doing that. Are you sure that was really God? When you start hearing things like that, that's not the Holy Spirit. The obstacles and oppositions that I've, I've experienced in my life have been these convictions in my own heart, not voices in my head saying, don't go there, but more of like this disturbance, a check in my spirit that I know it's from God. Not necessarily, you know, the enemy, that I'm confused. There have been other opportunities where I've seen the enemy's hand trying to stop things. And we see here that Joshua, taking the children of Israel to the promised land, took a lot of effort. He hit a lot of challenges, and there were a lot of obstacles in his life. And he could have said, this is not from God. Maybe I wasn't called. Yes, you were called. But life is not free of trouble. You know that, right? Jesus said, in this world, you'll experience what? Tribulation. You know the word tribulation in the original language means pressure? How many of you guys here have experienced pressure in life? Everybody should. Only three of you. I want to talk to you after this. <laughs> we all experience pressure in this life from different angles. Some pressure is different. Mine is different than yours and whatnot. When Nehemiah was, had a burden in his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because they were broken down, he began to pray and ask God, Lord, look at the people you know, release me from my job to go and rebuild the walls. And God did. God released them. His boss gave him the go. And even he funded some of this stuff that he went to do. And when he got there, he was on this mountaintop experience. All of a sudden, there were two men that appeared, Sambalit and Tobiah, jerks. What did they do? They sat on the wall and began to discourage all the people in the work. You guys are weak. Your God is not going to do this. And they start saying all these things to them, discouraging them. Listen, when God initiates a move in our life, don't be surprised that all of a sudden you get Tobias and Symbolites in your life discouraging you, saying to you, really? Hmm? Even Christians will do that, and it's sad. Instead of saying, I want to pray for you, praise God, you get the opposite sometimes. And that kind of troubles you, doesn't it? Because you think, Maybe the Lord is speaking to me. No. God has spoken to you. Unfortunately, these are Symbolites and Tobias in your life that are trying to discourage you from moving forward. And we got to be very careful with that, that we don't give in to those things. And that's where faith comes in. You know that you know in your heart where God is leading you. You stand strong in that. And you trust God. Because I say, well, if, if I'm going the wrong way and if, if, if what I'm doing is wrong, then God can say that to me as well, not just to you. God will speak to my heart. I'm not that much of a hard-headed person. I fear going the wrong way. I mean, that's something that I've always feared in my life. It's like, I don't want to go the wrong way, God. I don't want to be in a path that you have not called me to go on. I've always been open with the Lord on that. And here, Joshua is going to experience a lot of challenges, a lot of battles. I mean, a lot of things that went on. If you, if you don't know the story of Joshua, I encourage you to read the book of Joshua. You're going to see the challenges that he went through. And he could have said, maybe this is not from the Lord. No, it was from the Lord. It was just the opposition that came because we know there's an enemy that doesn't want us to move forward. And so we see here that as we get to this, 
Joshua is to know that this task was going to require a step of faith. The second thing, God gave him a boundary. He says in verse 4, notice what he says. He says, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, he said, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. He gave him his boundary line. Don't go beyond this. This is where I want you to be here. I love that. That God made it very clear there that this was the, re this was the land. This is where you're going. Don't go beyond this, but stay within this area. God didn't want Joshua to be in the wrong place. He says, this is where you, I want you to go. Don't go beyond this place. You know, I remember in, in Genesis, God gave Adam his, own, his boundaries, right? You remember that? He says, you can eat from all the tree in the garden, but stay away from the one in the middle, right? Don't touch that. Don't eat it. And unfortunately, you know the story. They fell. But, but Adam was given freedom. Just enjoy it, but don't go here. The Christian life is a wonderful life, isn't it? You know, God will say to you and to me, you know what? Enjoy this life. I created life. Enjoy it, but stay away from here. Don't go there. But you're supposed to enjoy life. The Christian life is not this bummer life. I know some people think that being a Christian is boring. It's like, oh, you know, God tells me I can't do this or that. It's like you don't understand God. And God is keeping you from harm. He's keeping you from, from things that could hurt you. That's why he says, stop this. Don't go there. And sometimes we think God is just being this mean parent. And he's not. He's the best father we have. And so the third thing that we see here that, that God actually gives to Joshua is that God's everlasting presence will always be with him. That's so comforting. Notice in verse 5, this is what God said to him. He said this. He says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that awesome? You know that's the same promise that we're given in the New Testament from our own Savior? He will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. In those times of loneliness, when you're hurting, you're not alone. Those times of confusion and doubts, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. He's promised not to leave you nor forsake you. The everlasting presence of God is always with you. Put that on your bathroom mirror before you leave to work to know that this is truth, that God will be with you wherever you go. And we see here, this is the promise that he's giving Joshua. And, and, and the victory is assured, not because Joshua was a great leader, because he was, but because God is a great God who will always be with him. He's not going to forsake him at all. We see here very clearly that when Moses, at one time during his adventure with the children of Israel, he was heading into a different place. And I remember the words that Moses said to God. He said in Exodus 33, verse 15, he says this, and I love this. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Isn't that a great prayer? Lord, if this is not where you're leading me, then don't let me go. Stop it. Do you think God will answer that prayer? I believe it. God doesn't, he doesn't trick us. He's not a liar. God doesn't play with us. 
He's not going to joke around with us. Well, I had you on this path, but I was just messing around with you. Now you figure it out. That's not the God we serve. If your heart is right with him and your prayer, like Moses prayed here in Exodus 33, perhaps it's, 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 it's a relationship, perhaps it's a job, and you say, Lord, if you're not in this, if your presence is not here in this, don't let me go. Do not send me. Do not let me move forward. I, I promise you that prayer will be answered because you're being sincere. He is our heavenly father. And as the Bible says that if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you rocks. You can trust him. That's the walk of faith, isn't it? And this is what we see that God is telling Joshua, listen, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. It's going to be tough. You're going to have challenges. You're going to lose a battle in, Acts, or in Joshua chapter 7. Achan, there's going to be a man by the name of Achan who's going to steal. And you're going to lose a lot of men in that battle. But I'm always going to be with you. It's going to be tough going up hills and down hills. But I'm going to be with you. That's the promise. Isn't that kind of like life, right? Ups and downs. God is always with us. Challenges, God is always with us. Hurt, God is always with us. Doubt, God is always with us. Just remember that. If there's anything that I want you to remember from this message is this, that God is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so Joshua is moving forward to this, and God continues to give him some great encouragements. And notice he says here as I close, verses 6 through 9, the call to courage, verse 6, and I'm going to speed it up a little bit. He says there in verse 6, he says, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I, sur- which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Why did God say this to him three times? Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage because he lacked confidence. See, we think Joshua was like, yes, let's do this, God. No, he was like, "Uh, this is pretty scary, God. I would have been right there with him. God encouraged them three times because he needed the encouragement because the task before him was huge. I would have been scared and would have been worried if Joshua was like, this is great. I can't wait to get this going. No, he was a human being. He still experienced fear, doubt. And God says, listen, be strong and in a good courage. And he kept saying this to him. And he, and he was just kind of making sure that he understood that, that Joshua, even though he was a good leader, probably did not have all the abilities to lead the people of Israel into the promised land like Moses had. And you've heard people say this, that God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Are you available to be used by God? Are you like Isaiah to say, here I am, God, send me? Sometimes we stop there. Well, I can't go, Lord, because I don't know the Bible. I, don't, I haven't really read the book of John. It doesn't matter. God can still use you. And we got to see this, that, that the experience that Moses had was, was pretty big. And here Joshua is having the same experience. And so we see that God is calling him to a big task. And God will give him the ability and the courage to do it. 
And so this passage is not just for pastors, for leaders, for missionaries. It's for you and for me. This is for everybody, for any task. Maybe there's a task at your job your boss is asking you to do, and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And God is saying, do it. Go for it. Trust me. You can do this. I will give you the ability. And so we know that without God's strength and without God's personal courage, we are going to fail to do what God calls us to do. We need his everlasting encouragement, don't we? Because sometimes we forget. Hey, there are doubts that will come. I'm sure that when I'm in New Jersey, my wife and I are going to be like, did we make the right decision here? We need his encouragement. He will encourage us. He will bring that courage in us to say, yes, keep going. Because we're humans. We're not super saints. And so we see that God is doing, that, doing the same thing to Joshua at the beginning here. He's telling him to be strong and have good courage. And why is it like this? Because courage is not the absence of fear. You can be courageous and still be afraid, right? You can have the courage to do something with fear. But God is saying, listen, I know, I know your fears, Joshua, but be courageous, man. Go for it. I'm with you. I will protect you. It doesn't mean that he's a weak uh, uh, leader. It means that he is, he's going to be led by God. You know, somebody once said this, that fear can paralyze, but faith propels us to follow God. You can let fear to just stop you, and you can just stay there. But if you continue to press forward through those fears and walk by faith, it will propel, propel you to follow God. And so the courage was to take the land. And the last thing is the courage to obey the word of God. He says, don't depart from thy law. Meditate in it day and night. God's word and Joshua's commitment to it would be the way he will experience success. Notice he says he will prosper. means to have insight to literally prosper in, our, in, in the knowledge of God and in, the, in the relationship that he will have with God and had nothing to do with material pros- prosperity here. It was all about insight. God is telling Joshua that when you obey my word, you will have a deeper knowledge of me. That's true success, isn't it? You know, success in our world's eyes today is different, right? It's driving the, the Benz, right, or driving the uh, Bentley or whatever and having, climbing the corporate ladder and having all this money. That's success in the world's eyes. Success in God's eyes is having a deeper understanding of him, is having a good relationship with him. That's success in God's eyes. There's nothing wrong making money. There's nothing wrong having good things. But if you based all those things just on that as your success in this life, you're, you're going to find out very soon that it's wrong. True success in God's eyes is knowing him and obeying his word. That's what he told Joshua here. And so we see clearly that Joshua here is given this encouragement to follow God, to trust him. And so as he comes to this point, and I want to close with a few thoughts here at the end here, we know very clearly that Joshua's task was pretty big. We can all kind of agree with that, right? It was pretty big. But there are important lessons for us to consider here from God's command to Joshua. Like I said earlier today, maybe you're going through a lot in your life lately. Maybe there's a transition that maybe you're feeling in your life, and you're like, I just don't know what it is yet, Lord. Or maybe you're in a situation right now that's over your head and you're wondering, Lord, what what do I do here? Listen, knowing that you are not alone should give you the courage to press on. That's what he told in Joshua uh, verse 9. Or maybe God is asking you to take a big step of faith. Maybe this message right now, you're like, I'm scared to death right now, Robert. I, I know God has been asking me to do this. And okay, well, here we go. Listen, God is aware of your fears. He knows your doubts. Not all change is pleasant. 
And I'm not here to say that every change is pleasant. Not all change is pleasant, but when we are being led to a better place by someone who loves you, you don't need to fear it. And that someone is Jesus. It's Christ. I always say this, and I'll end with this, is that you can trust Jesus with your life. You know why? Because he knows what he's doing. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this part of the book of Joshua, Lord. As we know, this, this story goes on, Lord. This is just a piece of the puzzle here that, that we just read today. And there's a lot more, Lord, in this story to really see the adventure of Joshua, the ups and downs that he went through in his life. And yet at the end of the day, he entered the promised land. He trusted you, and he never looked back. Father, would you do that in our lives? Would you help us to live for you, to honor you, to trust you? If you're here this morning, as you have your heads down, your eyes closed, I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you are in a place in your life where you're just wondering, Lord, what, what are you doing? Or perhaps you're, you're just wanting God to do something in your life and you feel stuck. Uh, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up my brothers and sisters who raised their hands. And I pray that you meet them where they're at right now. That you will reveal yourself to them, Lord, in a very powerful but clear way of the direction that you have for them. I pray, Lord, that they will walk by faith, whatever it is. If it's a big task, Lord, give them the courage to do it. And we know, Lord, that you are a great God, and our lives in your hands are safe. If you're here this morning, I want to pray for another group. If you're here this morning and perhaps you just your life with the Lord is not where it should be, maybe you're just... Um, just Something's going on that, that has kind of knocked you off that path that Christ had you on before. And, and you're wanting to, to get back on that path, to renew that relationship that, that you had with Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. And Father, I lift up those that raise their hands. And they're saying, Lord, I want to get back on track with you. And I pray right now by faith that their hearts will truly want that. And that they will walk out of here, Lord, not with a broken relationship with Jesus, but with a mended relationship. That they will follow you and trust you. Whatever's going on in their lives that knocked them off, Lord, I pray that you will, Lord, keep it away from them, Lord. And whether it's a relationship, a job, whatever it was, Lord, I pray that you'll give them the strength to overcome these things and to be on that right path with you. And again, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for always being with us and never leaving us nor forsaking us. Bless this church. Bless Mike and all the things that go on in this place. May this church be a, a bright light in this community. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Should we all stand, please? We had the opportunity to uh, hear the word rightly divided. We just thank Robert for coming out and sharing what God put on his heart. Just the path of transition that we can all be in and as we close with this last song good good father just make it your prayer make it your response to what god has done in your life here today it's not a song it's you and your lord and what you're worshiping with him mm -hmm.